Greetings, everyone, and welcome to episode 219 of the In Squash podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Gibson, and today we are absolutely delighted to have on a member of the Canadian women's squash team that will be heading to the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham in a few weeks, Nicole Bunyan. Fantastic to have her on. Uh, she's fresh off uh, finishing second at the Canadian Nationals and being called up to play for Team Canada at the Commonwealth Games, and we talk about all of that, obviously, if you were following the the Canadian Nationals. Danielle Letourneau had a serious uh, knee injury in the semifinal of the match against, uh, of her, in her match against uh, Nicole. And uh, Nicole talks uh, a fair bit about that, uh, you know, the unfortunate situation for Danielle and how that opened the door, I guess, for, for Nicole. She's not happy with the way it all uh, transpired, but that's uh, that's the way it went. And uh, now she's playing in the Commonwealth Games. Uh, she had a fantastic uh, PSA season, which uh, opened the door uh, for her to get into the main draws of a lot of events. And uh, we talk about what that meant to her, playing the extremely tough matches, even the top seeds early on in, in tournaments. And, uh, you know, it's not quite like what it was playing in uh, Challenger Series events and other events where the the best players, uh, the top 40 or top 30 in the world, aren't necessarily in in the draw or you wouldn't have to worry about them early on. But uh, we talk a fair bit about that. And also, uh, we bring up the fact that I, uh, I did reach out to Nicole a while back uh, because I did see her uh, uh, Squashletic uh, videos that she puts out. Uh, I think uh, it's a Squashletic app or there's a website and uh, some very, very uh, really well put together uh, videos on squash training and she, she nails down how to, she's very social media savvy and, and puts it all together herself she produces it herself and it's something that she has a passion for and if you watch the videos I mean you can't help but not uh, take a shine to them and also uh, get motivated by them I mean I'm a big proponent of uh, doing a pyramid bike sprints uh, a lot of bike I, do, I use the bike a lot and her last video really uh, Fired me up and I got out there uh, on the bike and had one of my uh, best sessions uh, of late. But Nicole and I uh, talk a fair bit about her passion for what she's doing with her Squashletic uh, website. But mostly we're here to talk about her squash and uh, the nationals that she just played in, the Commonwealth Games, her backstory in squash, and much more. So I know you're going to enjoy this. Member of the Canadian Women's Commonwealth Games team, Nicole Bunyan, on episode one. 100? No, 219. Good, good. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, good uh, afternoon to you, I guess. Yeah, yeah it's five, uh, yeah, five o'clock here. So uh, yeah, it's a blistering hot day here in Dubai. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it must be like, I don't know, in the 40s maybe even. 40s and uh, humid, a bit humid today, but uh, yeah, it's, a, I, it's okay. I'll be heading to Canada next week. So uh, where are you going? Uh, I'm from Halifax, mm -hmm. so I'll be heading there. My uh, daughter's going to be going to uh, Carleton, so we're going to get her uh, all set up. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah, so, but uh, yeah, uh, thanks for doing this, uh, Nicole. I've been, uh, sorry, I think I reached out to you uh, like about maybe a year and a half or two ago, and then we just sort of uh, just didn't uh, make it happen, but now we do, and good reason, because you... Uh, chosen for the uh, Commonwealth Games uh, team. So uh, congrats on that. But how's life in uh, the greatest city in the world there? <laughs> it's good. It's good. Uh, 
just enjoying a bit of the off season right now. Although I guess kind of a mixture of that and also starting to prepare for, for Commonwealth. But I think you've got to take some time and uh, not, oh, hopefully you don't hear those sirens in the background. Um, <laughs> that adds to it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it adds to it. It's, it's, it's proof. Um, yeah, so yeah, we got to take some time and also enjoy life off the court. And you spend a lot of time traveling and uh, which, which is great. Love it. But it's also nice to be at home and appreciate where you live and, you know, see some of the local sites or rooftop bars. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. New York City is fantastic. Uh, it's got to be great to be there at this time of year. Um, a, a lot of squash are around the city as well. So that can uh, sort of bode well for your, your preparations for the, the Commonwealth Games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty good. Um, there's, yeah, there's always people around, which is nice. You know, there's always people, whether it's pros or ex-pros or even like that being like a female, there's a lot of, you can play with a lot of like ex, like college players, um, mm-hmm. men or women, uh, which is great. So yeah, it's just getting or them. friends. Um, yeah. Or, or, you know, someone you live with. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Try to drag you on the, the podcast about two years ago. We, we had a nice chat uh, a couple of years back. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, uh, he, he just left, Jamie just left for work. <laughs> I said, okay. any tips? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no tips. <laughs> just, tips he doesn't know. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, great uh, that you're there. But uh, yeah, congratulations on the uh, Commonwealth Games. Uh, uh, women's squash, um, as you know very well in Canada, has been extremely uh, competitive uh, at the top uh, of the game for the last four or five years. So uh, you know, despite what happened to uh, Dan- Danielle to get, getting injured, you must uh, you must be pretty happy to have been chosen and put yourself into in that position uh, to be chosen uh, uh, for the for the team. So uh, you must be happy with that and proud of, of yourself for that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, you don't want to get through. I mean, I got through to the final because of because of Danielle getting injured, right? Uh, so you never want to get through. Uh, you ever want to like have your, some of your best achievements happen because of someone else getting injured? Um, obviously, I mean, it's nice to, it is, it's nice to, you know, get through to the final of, of nationals. And I mean, obviously amazing to get through to Commonwealth. Um, and I guess you have to just say, well, if you've, you've put your, you've worked hard enough to put yourself in a p- position to be in contention for, for that. But obviously the, what gets you over the finishing line, you usually want that to be of your, of your own merit and, and not helped along by, by an injury, but yeah, I'll be excited to go to Commonwealth because originally you think you usually think that if you're, you know, top three or four in a country that you would, you're automatically qualified. Mm-hmm. But as I learned a couple of years ago for, for Commonwealth, for it's sport Canada that decides how many people the sport gets to send. So it's not squash Canada. So you'd think, okay, well, we're going to send our top three, top four players, but it's actually dependent on how much on like how many athletes are allowed in the village and then sport Canada, like will allot certain amount, certain slots to uh, certain sports. So we just get fewer slots, which is why they, yeah, the numbers are lower than you'd think they would be. Yeah. Uh, I, I just uh, had Nick Sackfee on, on Canada day. We, we had a little podcast with Nick and he was, we were just talking about the 2018 games and how there weren't even any men uh, chosen for that one. So he yeah. was happy, obviously, uh, that they that they included the men this time around. Although, you know, at that point, it was more of a given that he was going to 
be on the team in 2018. Now, this time around, it was sort of a, you know, he wasn't so sure, but he did get the call. So I guess, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, I mean, oh, regardless, we're happy. We're happy to be going. Yeah. Well, no, yeah. no, like you said, I mean, you put yourself, you know, you can't control what happened to, unfortunately, what happened to Danielle. And you put yourself in a really good spot by playing some uh, some good squash all year. And uh, on the PSA tour, you did, you know, you had a good season. So, uh, you know, that's all you can do. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's all good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how's your preparation been uh, been so far? Anyways, I guess with, with Nationals just finishing up and with uh, the PSA season, obviously, uh, finishing up, you must be you must be, you know, obviously quite fit and ready to, to go in terms of Commonwealth. You just want to, like you said, rest maybe a bit and then get back at it. Yeah, I think um, for a lot of players we haven't really had a proper off season since COVID actually. So I think that a lot of players who are playing Commonwealth are actually going to use this time in between, um, you know, like a lot of people at nationals, like kind of when, when we did, or even a week or two afterwards. And so I think a lot of people are taking a break before Commonwealth. And then I think, you know, it's usually in, in the off season, off season, you'd have probably like two or three months where you could actually take, a little bit of like maybe a few weeks to actually stay off the court and then gradually train up and like train quite hard off court and on court before the tournament, before the season starts. But because Commonwealth is smack dab in the middle, we don't really have that true off season. Right. And even, and that's kind of compounded by the fact that we haven't had a true off season since uh, COVID. <laughs> so I think everyone will be, I think it's like a combination of, you'll be sharp kind of like from the season, like your, you know, your hand eye is going to stay there and you're not like, you're not going to feel like you've had a huge break from the court, but you also need to, you need to take some time and rest because otherwise you're going to have some overuse injuries that crop up. So I think it's finding that balance of like, you need to take maybe even if it's two weeks or three weeks and just tone it down on court. I think most people are going to do that and going to want to do that. Uh, that's what I've been doing <laughs> because, you know, like things, things crop up, you know, you're not able to always train and keep your body in as good shape as you'd like sometimes during the season. And so training but, pretty hard though. Uh, from that last video I saw, <laughs> Holy Lord. That's my go-to. I, I do it twice a week. So but that's sort of how you came onto the raid. We'll get to this later, but my Was that the cycling <laughs> one you saw. Yeah. Yeah. The cycling one. Got it. Yeah. Cycling's always been, yeah, that's been like my go-to, but that's good because at least it's low impact, you know, it can be very high intensity and like, you know, high heart rate, but it's not going to make a huge dent in the joints or the muscle soreness. That's what I, I don't know if you get like when I, I've been doing them for a long time and, and I love the stuff that you do on the, the, the Squashletic, uh, the app and, and the, the videos you post, we'll get to this a little bit later, but I uh, just personally, uh, when I do my bike sprints, like you said, it's low, low impact, not hard on your, your body or your joints, I would imagine is what you're trying to say. But when I do them and I, I just try to go, because I, I find, uh, you know, my heart rate goes up, but it's not, it, it takes a lot of work to get to the point where you're really exhausted, right? So you got to really push hard to get to that point of being uh, exhausted, if that's what you want to achieve. Is that kind of the way you see it? Uh, on the bike, you mean? Yeah. Um, I think that 
I think it, I think it, I think it depends on the person. So like the better you are at something, like the more skillful you are, even though you wouldn't think biking is a skill, <laughs> the most skillful of sorts. But I mean, it is definitely if you watch the riders on tour, but um, you know, it's a repetitive, like single, like use kind of repetitive motion, right? The, mm. the more efficient you're going to get. Right. So I feel like if you've been doing it for a while, it can be harder to like, because you're more efficient, it can be harder sometimes to get your heart rate up, you know, than someone who's not used to the activity. Um, I don't know if this is true for you, but like my heart rate will get higher if I'm running, if I'm running like up a hill or doing track sprints or something like that, because I'm standing versus on the bike, I'm seated. So even though it'll feel almost just as hard, like, you know, sprinting on the bike versus running my heart rate. And I've noticed this will be like about 10 beats lower just because of the fact that I'm in a seated position. Hi. Um, so, and I feel like I'm more That's comfortable. The lazy man's uh, approach. To <laughs> Sorry. The, la- the lazy man's approach to getting, uh, you know, getting your, <laughs> your heart rate up. Right. <laughs> yeah. Sit. I'm sitting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've always enjoyed biking. Um, yeah. It was like spinning was actually the first way that like, I just started, started to get into fitness, like as a kind of cross training for squash. Um, after I stopped playing soccer, I, uh, one of my, one of my squash coaches, Mike Johnson, he brought spin, uh, basically brought spin classes to the Victoria squash club and was like, all right, guys, we're going to start doing this during summer camp. And then it didn't end after summer. (laughs) He kept them in on Tuesdays and Thursdays and Saturdays. And so that became like, as soon as that kind of became our cross training and a lot of our fitness after you finished a squash game or a squash, uh, like, you know, like even maybe a pressure session with him, you'd come off and you do like a 45 minute spin class. And so you do that enough and, um, yep, your cardio gets pretty good. <laughs> exactly. And for me, uh, I mean, I'm over, over the, over the hill, I guess you could say, but, uh, I just find, uh, like I used to go do ghosting sessions like two, three times a week and love them. But, uh, I think I've got a wonky hip or something and I just can't sort of do it the way I want to do it. And I, uh, which is why I go to the, the, the bike sprints uh, more, maybe more often than I should. But uh, I still feel like uh, it does, it's, it's helped me in my squash because I don't, I mean, I get tired, but it's not, you know, I can handle uh, long sort of intense rallies. I think that's, yeah. but we'll get into that later because that, that's sort of something that you're really into. Uh, you've got your squash uh, athletic uh, app which is really cool but uh, just wanted to get back to uh i lost the plot there for a sec just get back to <laughs> get back to the uh the commonwealth games and uh you know the the competition there on both the men's and women's side uh you've got on the women's side anyways you've got the english girls uh, sj uh, obviously the top one there you've got tesney uh, you've got the uh, joshna from you've got um the gillies uh, sisters are going to be playing i i think i think uh, I, I thought I saw Tinny say she, uh, she. I think that's World Games. Is that World Games? Yeah, because mm-hmm. it's, it's actually very. It's 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 a bit confusing. There's the World Games in Birmingham, Alabama, followed wow. shortly by the Commonwealth Games in <laughs> Birmingham, UK. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that that was strange because I saw that and then I I just thought okay I didn't realize that Belgium was a Commonwealth. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think it is. No, no. Yeah. Okay, well, so you don't have to contend with them. That's good. No. <laughs> uh, but uh, aside from that, you know, besides that, uh, you've got some you know, contenders there. But uh, 
you know, they're not all, you know, the top, top players in the world. They're the top players. But, uh, you know, how do you uh, sort of feel going into that event based on the, the competition that you have in, in front of you? should be interesting hopefully <laughs> hopefully it should be interesting I was actually I wasn't quite sure about how I would come up in the in the seedings but I just went through the ranking list the other day um and I think I'll be top 16 uh which is which is good okay. and then uh yeah I guess we'll see I mean I don't know I don't know everyone who's been because so like there's a lot of English players right who are above me in the rankings but I don't think they're all being selected I don't think they're all going so Kind of depends how many of them of them play. Um, I mean, it'll be tough competition. I suppose if I'm t- seated top sixteen, hopefully I'll you know be seated through t- to get through for a round or two, and then you know we'll see how it how it goes from there. But um, we've also got the doubles, which is going to ah. be interesting because anything can kind of happen with the doubles. Uh, You're, you know, you'll be playing with David, right? I think I'll play with David for the men's and for sorry for the mixed, and then. Uh, with Holly for, yeah, for the women's. Yeah, that, that's exciting. Yeah, I was talking to, uh, to Nick about that, and he's gonna, he said he's playing with, uh, with Holly, you know, her being left-handed, he was pretty excited uh, about yeah. that. But, uh, you know, you're playing with Dave, obviously David's playing some really good squash, and, uh, you know, that, that, that must be exciting for you. Uh, do you play any, uh, like, what's your familiarity? Obviously, you, you've got the hardball doubles uh, there in New York, which is, relatively popular but uh, that's a totally different game uh how, how yeah, do you yeah. how do you think what do you think about the softball doubles well i'm gonna have an opinion really soon <laughs> when i get when i step on court uh yeah so I've, i mean i grew up playing softball doubles but on the you know just on a singles court i have yet to play on the wide court with the low tin so okay. that's yeah so this is going to be a first time experience we do have a few days before going or sorry once we get there to, to to practice and i was just speaking with graham williams the coach the other day and he was saying that the first couple of days uh before we even go to the to the village we're gonna be spending like two or three sessions a day on the doubles court specifically uh just to get some practice in because no one really practices it unless you have access to a court. So I think like in the Scottish team, they've got access to a court. And so they, they train a lot, but um, I know with the Canadian team, a lot of us are dispersed, right? So we don't have time. We can't really come together and practice it. And I think we've only got a couple softball doubles courts in Canada. So none of us really grew up playing it in the true sense on the wide court, but you know, everyone, everyone's played it to some extent. Um, obviously like <laughs> on a singles court and I guess I've played hardball doubles which is very different I suppose the yeah. positioning moving side to side it might be a little might be similar you know rotating with with the person on your wall um but yeah I think getting the positioning from what I hear is the biggest is the biggest uh, mm-hmm. hurdle yeah I guess the teamwork aspect of it maybe, maybe if you've played any paddle uh, that that might be uh, something similar I, I've played a little bit of paddle lately and you know the shot. I let my go-to shot is just hit it down the middle. Oh yeah, when in doubt, I'm just gonna hit it as hard as I can. Probably try and hit it at at someone. You know, if you try and hit it at their body, that's also a good one. I mean, unfortunately, I think the tactic in all mixed doubles is always hit it to the girl. So you know that in at least one of the one of the games, like when you're playing mixed, you're gonna be seeing a lot of balls if you're if you're the female. Right. So, so um, yeah. 
that's that'll awesome. be something, Graham. Uh, that that'll be something you'll be training for. They'll they'll be firing balls at you from from everywhere, yeah. on court, right? Yeah, probably. So I've actually, so I've just started getting back on court. You're asking about preparation. I've just started getting back on court just the last week or so and um, just doing some solos and kind of trying to gradually get, get back into it. Uh, And I've actually been doing some, some fun stuff, like not just doing drives or volleys or the, or the basics, but um, like some, so like side to side volleys and like a lot of like figure eight variations and just general, like kind of fun ball control stuff. Um, and you know, like even hitting like corkscrews to yourself and like skid boasts and like things, shots that actually probably could be decent. Well, although the angle is going to be different in doubles because it's a wide, wide court, but (laughs) just kind of having a little more fun with it. Right. Because in general, like at least with hardball doubles, the shots that are really effective in hardball doubles are the worst shots in singles, like tons of cross courts, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, skid bows, three wall, like Nick reverse bows, stuff like yeah. that. So I figured cra- crazy attempts at uh, power, right? Yeah. And that exactly. So I figure, you know what, let's, have a little bit of fun with this you know you always work on straight drives like let's you know let's let's think outside the box <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's what probably I've been doing a good idea too yeah. to try you know just to get your you know, your your racket mm-hmm. feel on the ball and, and stuff uh, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. i've gotten cool. jamie to a challenge i've challenged jamie to a couple of cross court games as well which is humbling <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, that's been fun that's been my other practice but that's uh awesome. yeah if i can handle that hopefully i'll be in good in good shape Good, good. So Squash Canada, I guess the, the contribution uh, uh, in terms of Squash Canada, so I guess the team, it, will that'll start once you guys arrive in Birmingham? Is there anything set up before that? Or I guess maybe conference calls or whatever, just meetings and stuff? Yeah, we've got a, a quick uh, Zoom call tomorrow, I think, just to get everyone together. And then... And then we're actually going a few days early to London. And so we'll be training at Roehampton, which is, I think, just like Western, Western London. So we'll be going there. They've got a doubles court set up. And so we'll go there. We'll train for a few days and then we'll head up to Birmingham. Okay. All right. Now, who is, so who's the head coach of the team? Uh, Graham Williams. Graham Williams. Okay. So Graham was, a, he's English originally. Uh, I think actually he's just got his Canadian citizenship, which is exciting, yeah. but he's, and he was in Windsor, Ontario for a while. Yeah. And now he's the head pro at the Philly cricket club. So oh. he's actually down here in the States now. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people end up uh, down there. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, just in terms of, you know, uh, your PSA season, I, I you know, you, you just uh, reached, uh, I think it's your highest ever world ranking, right? 43 in the world. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Congrats, I, was congrats. Jamie, I actually forgot to check, but Jamie told me yesterday. <laughs> yeah, 43, 43 in the world. So, I mean, you, you had a, a pretty good season. Uh, the way I looked at it, uh, having done my research for, for today, uh, you, uh, you did, you, you beat most of the girls, that you should be beaten, the girls below you. And then uh, you had some decent results uh, against girls above you, but the, not as consistent. That, that, that's kind of how I, I would uh, assess it if I were to assess it for you. But uh, just wondering how you, uh, just overall, obviously it's a good season to be you know, 43 in the world. Um, just wonder how you felt about the, the season overall. And, and also the fact that you're getting into the main draws of so many, uh, of the bigger marquee events that's a that's got to pose some new challenges for you 
Yeah, I think that at every stage there's there's challenges, you know, like when you first started getting into the tournaments, you're just the big ones, you're excited just to be there, right? And then you got then you have need to kind of reevaluate and say, okay, well, I want to start pushing those those players, right? Because you can show up to all these big events and be happy that you're playing the big events, but it's not fun showing up and just losing first round, which, you know, becomes like a reality <laughs> uh, for, you know, some of us who that, that does happen. Right. And so that's really the next stage is to try and win some of those first rounds. And that's how you move your ranking up past that, um, you know, kind of 40, 43, where I am now. Right. You don't, you don't, you don't progress any more ranking wise, unless you're beating some people that, you know, you're on paper, you're not supposed to beat. So I'd say that's the next, the next stage. So yeah, like I've done okay with, yeah, how we've, yeah, how it's been so far, how the season's progressed, but um, I'd say that's like the next stage and trying to, yeah, get some wins in the first round rather than, you know, having close four gamers or close five gamers trying to get over the line. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The, uh, I mean, the women's game from, from number 10 all the way down to like 40, it's a real log jam, right? It's like, so anyone can beat anyone on, on any given day. So it's not, uh, it's not a given that you're, you, you'll never get a sort of a freebie in any of these uh, events, will you? Yeah, it's a definitely, there's, there's always someone nipping at your heels. <laughs> and okay. I think it's interesting just to even like the last month or two, or and, and especially this month, seeing how the top 20 is changing, right? Mm-hmm. You're seeing like a lot of uh, changes in, in that area. People that have, that were in the twenties for a while are now like really quite competitive in the top 20. Like, you know, obviously Tina, Tina's moved, moved up quite a bit um, and deserves to be right. She's had some great results over the past year or, and two. Yeah. Um, and, and, is, and pushing like the top, those in the top 10 as well. So it's definitely, uh, become a lot more, just a lot more competitive overall. You know, you can't really, like you said, you can't, you can't just write, write the match off and say, Oh, I'm pretty sure that's going to go three love to this person. And then you've got your quarters, you know, the quarterfinals all predetermined. You don't really know what's going to happen, which is exciting actually. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And, uh, you know, in the, late, in the ladies' uh, matches, you never, you know, th- there are three or four girls who tend to get to the, the finals more, most often, but, uh, you know, you, ne- you never really know who's going to beat who. E- even those girls are being pushed by, uh, by the girl, all the girls in the top 10. So it's exciting, uh, exciting to watch. I wanted to get your opinion, though. It's a bit of a sort of, a, I guess, a the topic, a hot, a hot topic these days. The uh, the incident there with uh, Gohar and uh, Famami with the ball. Um, <laughs> now, first of all, I, I'm like, I don't think on the men's or the women's side, I, uh, there's not a match that a match that I would want to watch next it would be them playing again. It, it's like the, the bo- It's like box office stuff. It, it, it's you do really, or you don't want to watch really, them. I do. I do. I want to see them play again. <laughs> They're, they're, they're so, it's such a rivalry between the two of them. And they're both so, I've never, I mean, they're both so intense on the court. It's just incredible. But what, uh, so I'm looking forward to the next time they play. Uh, What about uh, you in terms of that incident? I I just, what I saw was, you know, there, there was a lot, like, there was a lot going on on the court. They didn't, obviously, there's no love lost between the two of them. And it was, you know, there was a bit of shouting before that happened and then crossed over onto the scent right across her path of the ball. Obviously, you don't hit it, but 
um, she did. Yeah, I mean, I think that, I think that, like, you know, obviously don't want to hit someone on purpose, right? Yeah. Uh, I think that, like, that issue aside, like, let's even just like let let's like assume it was an accident, right? Let's just say, okay, like, didn't mean to, didn't mean to hit her, okay. Moving on to the next, the next time that Gohar actually held up, right? She held up, you know, after, because, well, because so basically she came back on, so she took that stroke, went off, won the game, right? And then came back on and the ref, you know, said some words to her saying, hey, like, you know, be careful of dangerous play, which I think that was the right thing for the ref to say, right? Because like, if you hit someone, like, you know, regardless of whether it's, I mean, if it's intentional, like clearly intentional, like obviously that's, you got to ref has to say something, but even so like, yeah, it was a bit of a dangerous shot that she went for. So I think it's right that the, that the ref says something, but then obviously she wants to know that she's going to be awarded a stroke or like, you know, given room to play that ball, the ball, like the ball safely, wherever she wants to hit it. And so she made that clear. There was some dialogue between the two of them, between her and the ref. Right. And he said, yes, yes. Like I, when I remember, I think he said, yes, I'll give you a stroke. Right. Like if you need to, but you need to not play that ball. So this is the, I think this is the, one of the biggest issues is that the next time Hanya was slightly more clear, right? Cause she learned from her previous, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, don't, okay, I'm not going to encroach on this space. Um, if, if, you know, if that's, that's how we're playing. Um, and, and then Gohar held up and the ref, I'm pretty sure gave her a no let. That was a no let. Is, I remember that. And yeah. I think that's the problem because then it's just, it's, it's like, well, now you're incur- are you encouraging her to play that ball? Like, for, like just, just sometimes it's just a let. I mean, I, I don't really, we don't need to get into like the, the controversies of refing these days, but I think that like sometimes it's just a let and sometimes we just got to play a let and it's for a few, like these things happen so fast on the court, right? Yeah. Sometimes you like you make a split second decision, right? And sometimes you've just got to play a let. And so I think that that was like the, the biggest issue is that the ref gave her a no let, which was then encouraging her to play that dangerous ball again. Right. So, yeah. and it's just adding fuel to the fire. Like the, sh- the, the ref shouldn't be trying to get involved in and, and dominate and dominate the play. Right. Oh, exactly. <laughs> like, no. Just so, make the calls. And, and you, like you said, play a let uh, that, that makes it really confusing for you guys. So. Yeah. And I mean, I think that uh, both Hanya and, and I think that both mommy and Gohar, like they're both great movers, right. They play around each other very well. Oh, right. It's yeah. not like, it's not like we're seeing lots of blocking and stuff like that where the ref needs to interfere and, you know, and take and take control. So I think that when there's minimal calls, I mean, obviously that was a big one with the one on, on game ball, right? Like say something about it, but then, then take control of that situation. Right. And say, Hey, like you can't do that. Okay. But the next time, like see that, see that the, the fact that she's trying not to hit her <laughs> and then yeah. ask to say, Hey, like, yeah, well, we'll play a let. Cause obviously you don't want to hit that shot. Um, don't penalize her for, for not hitting it. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway. yeah. I found that to be very strange to get I mean, to also, after the I warning. Told, yeah. yeah. Now I, I also will give a bit of benefit of the doubt to, you know, to the ref, cause I know it's difficult to be in that situation in the hot seat. Right. Yeah. So, you know, hard to, hard to judge them harshly in the moment. Like we're all great backseat drivers. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Right? They, they, they do a really good job given, uh, you know, given the circumstances and the game that I think they're being uh, told, you know, they're, they're trying to change the game for the better. Uh, they're trying to get players to play sort of through interference a little bit more. And 
Yeah, I think I think it's I think it's important. I think it's improved in some ways. I just like like when you watch matches from, you know, like the archives, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. And you see like everything is a let. Like I don't think that it should always be like that, but I don't think that you need to make a point about something being like a yes, a, a no let or a stroke right from the get go. Sometimes it's just a let, and then you know if you see that something's a pattern and it starts to happen a couple times, like as a ref, you should have enough awareness of like how someone's moving and like walking or, um, you know, their, their path to the ball, like they're going for the man. You should, you should see that and pick up that like, okay, that's, that's a pattern. Now we need to stop that rather than just someone making a mistake the first time and deciding, Oh, we're going no let here. Got to take a stand right away. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it doesn't, I don't think that that's really the, like, you know, the route we need to go down, but Oh, well. No, it's interesting. And ho- hopefully uh, everyone learns from that. So that was a big, big moment there. So hopefully we all learn. Yeah. From- Just wondering, have you, I mean, she hits the ball like a ton, right? So have you ever been hit? Uh, you must, obviously we've all been hit uh, pretty hard by squash ball. Uh, when was the last time you got hit that, that way? <laughs> oh, Jamie man, probably, know. right? Ja- Jamie hammered one into the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get out of the way. I didn't clear. Uh, no, I think I've actually hit him more recently, <laughs> which is okay. uh, actually hit someone in hardball doubles in the head, which was pretty bad ooh, as well. Ooh, okay. um, no, it was, it was it was totally unintentional. The woman said, so in hardball doubles, you cross, right? So you cross and you clear to the sidewall, yeah. right? In the hardball doubles, you'll hit it down the middle. If you hit a really wide crossboard that comes around, right? Like kind of back to the door, the people, instead of staying on the tee, you move to the sidewall. Right. So that, that it gives the hitter access to the front wall. Anyway, the woman out, this was honest. This was my first match ever playing hardball doubles, like our first competitive match. And the woman, she was actually quite experienced. She'd said prior to the match, she said, Hey, I always clear to the sidewall. I always clear. Right. So I said, okay, great. So anyway, I go around, there's a wide cross court that comes around and I line up and it must've been the only clean ball I hit all match. And I smoked her <laughs> she didn't cross and I smoked her right in the, oh, like, no, I yeah. hit, hit her shoulder and then bounce re- like ricocheted and hit her head. Um, but yeah, she was not happy about that. <laughs> and I was like, I said, Oh no, I, sorry. I hit, I hit the frame, but obviously I knew that I'd hit it cleanly but she said she said that she was going to cross and she she didn't yeah yeah she did yeah you got to yeah. cross exactly she probably realized it was uh, partly her fault right <laughs> Who knows? But, yeah so I, I hate to admit it but I've actually been on the other end <laughs> more recently than the one that's more recently than the one that's being hit so yeah yeah that just shows where you know we're we're more so sort of, we're, we're thinking about our shot we're shot variety uh going for more shots from the back uh out of the back corners yeah <laughs> but yeah so uh yeah i think the hardest the the, the biggest bruise i've ever seen though was when uh reham said hit sam cornet at us open and it was it honestly broke the skin like sam Ooh. had to get it patched up over uh she had to get it patched up there's a nasty picture of it it's 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 i mean honestly that bruise must have lasted for months it was oh. you know, do you know who Reham is? Do you remember Reham? I've heard of her name. Uh, I know the name. Yeah. 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 Well, her nickname was the hammer because she, <laughs> I mean, honestly, yeah. partly because of her name, but also because she, I mean, she was like a gohar where she could hit the ball so, so hard and just at like an unrelenting pace. Um, unfortunately she had a devastating knee injury. So she ended up like taking some time off the tour, but she was, 
she was playing like a top 20 level in college, I would say. Okay. Yeah, she was yeah. a 10. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, 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 I've heard of her before. <laughs> but yes, okay, well, let, let, let's hope uh, you know, no one gets hit with the ball like that uh, going forward. We all yeah, learn. Everyone's going to be scared of me on doubles now, given what I just said. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what you're, you're laying the groundwork for Birmingham. Exactly. <laughs> uh, now, I just want to uh, talk about the squash athletic. Uh, you've got, uh, yeah, that, that, I mean, uh, you put a, you're pretty uh, social media savvy with all this stuff. It, it's amazing. Uh, the, way, the way you, uh, you, you put the videos together, it's really unique and really well done. Uh, the, the one with the, um, the, the latest one on the, on the bike really got me motivated, really. Uh, <laughs> uh, just, uh, it, it's fantastic. So uh, it, you've been doing this for a couple of years now, I think. And uh, so just take us through uh, how it all uh, started for you. Yeah. So, well, I've always had a big background and passion for fitness. Um, I mean, I'm starting really with the, with a spin class days back at Victoria squash club. Um, that's kind of what kickstarted it. And then that carried on throughout, you know, throughout college. And then actually after I graduated from university, I started working as a personal trainer and and, uh, strength and conditioning coach in New York. And so that's where I got like a more formal background, (laughs) actually started working, you know, got certified, started working with clients, um, was like trained properly by, you know, other, by coaches here in, in the city. And, um, so that's kind of where I developed the actual technical, (laughs) technical background, um, and skills rather than just, you know, having a passion for, for fitness. So that all that Um, stuff you said earlier about sitting on the bike, that's actual sort of knowledge-based, uh, that's facts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not yeah, just yeah. common sense. There's, there's something there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's something, there's something to it. Yeah, in general, yeah, your heart rate most of the time will be a little bit higher if you're standing versus sitting versus swimming where you're lying down. Um, okay. I want to yeah. lie down. Yeah, that's the yeah, best. Yeah, if you want to lie down, do that swimming. I mean, it's not going to feel any easier. But your heart rate might be a little bit lower. Yeah. Anyway, so, um, yeah, so did that. And then actually during uh, actually during COVID, this is when I decided to do the on the start the online stuff. And it was just kind of a trial and error thing. I, I kind of wanted to start an online business just to see if I liked business because I thought about going to business school. Um, And so I sought advice from a few friends who had been to business school and they'd had their, they got their MBA and they said, well, here's the deal. It's really expensive. Um, You know, it's a very expensive network to pay for basically. And I said, well, why don't you you know, see if you like business first. <laughs> so yeah. I thought, okay, well, let me like, you know, do some research and see if I like this sort of thing. So I basically decided I was going to try and start an online business of some sort. And just through trial and error, um, ended up being able to put my skills together, you know, of combining squash and, and online and, and sorry, and, um, and strength and conditioning. And so that's kind of how that happened. And then the whole like back end, like the online portion of it was really just trial and error. But that's what I like the most about it is like learning about the figuring out the marketing and, um, you know, stuff like that, copywriting and all that stuff on my end. You, you got the attention of this old chunk of coal, but but also I, mean, <laughs> I think the way you've, uh, you know, the way you present the stuff, it's more it's sort of geared towards younger people as well. But I mean, I, I enjoyed it's kind of short and you get to the point. And you put the um, you know the, the key points on on the in captions on the videos that you produce. So uh, is that something that uh, like you do you produce all the stuff yourself as well? Yeah, yeah. Just I mean, 
I by no means am a video editor. I mean, I can I can do the the short form stuff on Instagram and you know maybe TikTok, but uh, if I were ever to get into YouTube, for instance, that's a whole other thing, right? Yeah. I do yeah. not have that's the heart. It's difficult. Mm. Yeah, that's a whole that's a whole other kettle of fish there. So maybe uh, if I can get someone who's who's YouTube sa- or who's um yeah video editing savvy, then they could help me out with that. But that's a uh, maybe that's down the line. But yeah, I think that. Obviously, Instagram is like a slightly younger audience, right? Yeah. Uh, but I think that I've actually been surprised at the kind of the, the broad spectrum of, of age ranges that I've, yeah. that I've gathered on there. I've got people and also from all over the world. It's really cool to see who you can reach online. You must have quite a few uh, people following you now on that uh, Yeah, platform. I think so. It's, um, I think on... I think on, I actually haven't been that active for the past couple of months just because I've been training or sorry, I've been competing and traveling. Yeah. And I've, I've, I've decided that I realized that if you're comp, if you're competing, you really need to just focus on competing and not worry about content creation because they both take yeah. mental energy. And yeah. 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 I've, I've kind of suffered the hard way actually last summer where I was doing a lot of content creation. And this was actually when we would have to quarantine before playing. So we would have to do our test and then we'd stay in the room all day until we heard our results back. And then we would be able to go practice and then we'd have to compete the next, then we'd compete the next day. And so to pass the time, I would, I would just, you know, work on Instagram posts and stuff like that. And I found that I would be so mentally flat afterwards because you're just using all this mental energy. Obviously you're not doing anything. You're just sitting there and you're on your computer, but I just didn't really have much oomph left for the court because I'd spent so much time thinking creatively. And so that's something that I realized. Uh, yeah. So that's something I've realized how to, how to better uh, like split my time, I suppose, and split my energy. But, but yeah, I think I'm Instagram followers. I think I've got about 4,000 or something now, which is, yeah, which is nice. Yeah. It's kind of nuts to think that if you were to speak in front of 4,000 people, it would look like a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> sometimes, exactly. I, sometimes I think about that, but yeah, it's been, it's been nice. Yeah. I've enjoyed and it. What, what do you have in the hopper? Like, uh, I know you just put out the, the, uh, the spin uh, video there. Um, so what, what's coming up next? Any, anything, any other content or is uh... always a few things in the, in the log. Yeah. I've, I've always got like a running, a running list of ideas in my notes app on my phone and, it's more just like actually getting kind of the, the, the time or like a chunk to chunk of time to actually put it, put it out there. But yeah, a couple of strength, strength videos, uh, some mobility, always some exercises like that. Cause I'm always doing this stuff. So it's really just a matter of taking a video or like of, of what I'm doing and then actually putting it out there. But, uh, some stuff like that. I'm also working a lot on some off season articles right now. Yeah, so um, that's probably the, the, the stuff that you're going to be getting into the off season uh, training. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So just kind of, there's not, so the whole reason that I started squash athletic aside from the fact that it's a good combination of my, of my ex squash and my athletic uh, or my training expertise is because I felt like there was a big gap in the market. There's not a lot of people talking mm-hmm. about, uh, you know, squash training, how to train for squash. And I'm not saying that you need to, just be a squash trainer or you just need to train for squash specifically like i think that the you need to become a a great athlete really that's what good training is you know when we're talking about strength and conditioning it's like let's make yourself let's make you the best 
squash athlete you can be right and that means doing a lot of general stuff becoming really general like generally strong off the court and then and and fit off the court and then there's a lot of specific stuff you'll do on the court to like actually make yourself better for squash right but I think that people didn't first of all there's just nothing out there or there was yeah. not a lot of stuff out there right from the training it's difficult to find I, I look for that kind of stuff it's very it's difficult to find but you're you know when you put out your stuff it's right there it's it's really you're very reliable Nicole <laughs> oh thank you but yeah and then I guess just trying to like cut through the the nonsense as well and just mm. you know unfortunately yeah I guess people think well you got to do a bunch of lunge based exercises to, to become good at squash and get strong for squash. And that's, that's actually wrong, even though it looks awesome, right? Like, let me do all these exercises in a lunge position. And then that's great strength training for squash. It's actually, it's actually not right. That's a very small portion, but it looks of what you'll do, but it looks great online. So I like what you're saying. (laughs) I I just find uh, as someone who, I used to be able to lunge consistently, but now I, I can't. I'm just trying to find ways to sort of counter or sort of compensate for that. I was going to ask you uh, this, and I you've been great with your time. I know you got to hit the road soon, uh, but uh, um, uh, is it possible? Is it possible for someone to, uh, uh, like over a certain age, to uh, improve their agility or uh, or is that something that you just need to try to maintain or just say okay I just got to work on it and hope that it like I do a lot of skipping and, and, and stuff like that which I, I find really helpful but I, I don't think it's possible to improve uh, after a certain age or am I wrong <laughs> well some things are going to decline naturally as you get older unfortunately <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and speed and uh and muscle mass or speed is one of those things speed and like reaction time are things that go down muscle mass you have to actively work on you know like keeping and improving as you get older um so like that's why strength training is so important because like it's like your muscle mass and your bone density is going to go down otherwise as you kind of get into the master's categories. So that's really important. Now, agility is actually, um, uh, people actually kind of get this this term wrong or use it incorrectly, but agility is actually your ability to like respond to something. So moving quickly uh, in response to, you know, let's say you pointing somewhere without me knowing you were going to point there, you know, and then having to react to that. So squash is like an agility a sport, not because of quick feet, like quickness is its own thing, but it's agility is more like quickness in response to something. Does mm. that make sense? Oh, yeah. So, um, so like someone can be quick, but not be agile. Right. right? So they're like two different things. So um, since agility is a combination of <laughs> kind of quickness and reaction time, I do think it's something that gets progressively harder as you get older, but I don't think that if you keep working on it, it doesn't mean you can't, uh, you can't like try and maintain it. Right. Obviously there's going to be a bit of a decline. I think it's more about minimizing that downward slope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. No, exactly. That's can. something like, uh, like mental exercises could, could help you with sort of quick, making quick decisions. And, uh, you know, uh, d- I, I don't know. Uh, just, if it's not, if it's a, me- a mental based, uh, being able to think quickly and make, make the right choice, in a, t- in a timely manner, then one would, yeah. would think that uh, maybe some type of mental exercise like, might, might be helpful. <laughs> maybe. 
Um, I think that actually, you know, what I think is underrated is just becoming like even more of a student of the game, to be honest, mm-hmm. and like yeah. becoming really aware and of, the, of like, like the cues when you watch someone hit the ball, like becoming ever like increasingly aware of like where your ball is landing. And like, is that what are you narrowing down your opponent's options? You know, I think that that's something I've learned and become aware of, not a master of by any means, but something I've become increasingly aware of in the last year is like your ability to read the game is really only as good as kind of your, your shot quality. And if you can't hit the ball into a certain area consistently, you're not going to be able to read, read your opponent's shots as well. (laughs) So I think that if we're looking at like, if you're going to split your, think about what you're going to spend your time and your energy focusing on, I would actually say that that's probably more important to, to study like mentally is like, look at, you know, become like very, very detail oriented and studious about like, where is the ball landing? Like, what are they able to do? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how much pressure are you actually putting them under rather than like, Oh, well, am I reacting quickly enough? Well, you're only ever going to be able to react so quickly if you've left the ball in the middle of the court. Right. (laughs) So that's what I think. um, That's what I think is something that's very like underrated. And when you're watching the top players like Ali Farag is like always putting the ball in like such a in a good position that he is able to kind of walk onto the ball. And so it's not even that you watch that you think his reaction time is impressive, which it is. If he needs to hustle, he can, obviously. But I think that his uh, anticipation and his reading of the game is like that's that's what I would say it would be probably the, the thing that with the biggest benefit. <laughs> well, I've, I've asked a few people that question, like a few coaches, and that yours was the, by far the best response. Uh, oh. Really, really <laughs> uh, thanks. Thanks for that. Uh, because it's something like I've noticed in my own game. It's like, but previously I could not, I could afford maybe not to watch as closely. Mm. Uh, I, I kind of know what's going to happen, but now it's like, I'm so surprised half the time at what's coming back at me. It's because yeah. I'm not not as uh, careful watching what's going on behind me. And you laid it out really nicely there. Well, I notice that on days that I feel like fresh and you know relatively fast, I don't like I, I can react better, right? And days where I'm like a little tired, I'm a little slow. I actually don't I, I don't watch as well. And therefore I don't pick up as many balls. I'm late. I get like caught out if someone holds it from the back. So I know that I need to watch even more. And so that's how I've, that's, it's not my, yeah, my reaction time isn't as good, but it's actually like my, my mind that's like playing tricks on me and like, I'm guessing. Right. So I realized, okay, you can't, don't guess, don't trust yourself. Just, just watch. (laughs) You got to watch like even more closely because your reaction time isn't as good today. So you can't, you can't afford that split second. Maybe if you're sort of on court, you're preoccupied with something else. And that, that, that a lot of times, as you know, that can have a huge impact on the quality of your, your squash. Maybe if you know going on court that there's something bothering you, then you got to say, okay, I'm going to be uh, more watchful. Uh, hopefully mm. today. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. If you've got like a little injury or something that that's hampering you, You've got to, yeah, become even more aware of those of those of those details. Like, is your length actually getting to the back? Are you watching your opponent? The whole, are you watching the ball the whole time? Stuff like that makes a makes a big difference. Something actually, if you really want to test how well you're watching the ball, play on a glass court. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I was going to ask. Uh, uh, <laughs> you, you just played at the Nationals, and my my good friend um, Matt Bishop. I, you, I don't know if you know Matt, but. Uh, 
he won the over 40s. He's from Halifax. Yeah, yeah, and, I watched uh, him a little bit. And um, he was just telling me that it's the first time he's ever had a rain delay in a squash, yeah. squash game. Yeah. So it sounded like uh, the, the event had, it was a, an amazing uh, nationals and there was a lot of first uh, uh, there as well. Yeah, it was, it was a great event. I mean, I'm from Victoria and I grew up playing a lot of events in Vancouver. I was over in Vancouver every other weekend, um, mm-hmm. you know, throughout like grades 10, 11 and 12. So I, um, I have a very soft spot in my heart for the city. And then obviously it was down, it was downtown at one of the most iconic venues in, in Vancouver. So like to, to be playing there, it was unbelievable. It definitely took a couple of days to get used to the court because it's a glass court, which is really meant to be played like indoors in a dark arena. Um, just like the, the, the color of the walls, it, it's quite light it's quite light. And so therefore there's not a lot of contrast because you're playing with a white ball. So, you know, it, it definitely took some getting used to there was in my match against Sam in the quarters, uh, like on the left, on the backhand side, on the left wall, the sun just like suddenly poked through and we were doing rotating drives, like in the middle of a game and neither of us could really see the ball because the sun had just like appeared out of nowhere and you're not playing a let, you know, you're not, yeah. It's like, okay, well, we can't really see the ball. Let's just keep it here for a minute, I guess. And just, I don't know, neither of us wanted to do anything too crazy because we couldn't really judge where the ball was. Yeah. Um, you know, just so things like that, that, you know, you have to adapt, adapt to, but it definitely got a lot better if, you know, you were playing at night, but then of course we had a rain delay. So that also yeah. hampered it a little bit. But it didn't matter. They had a, they had a, obviously the, the roof was it was covered so if it was windy maybe that's what that's really what got us was the wind would bring the rain in yeah otherwise it was fine but i was so impressed as well with the with like the the audience sorry the spectators not the audience (laughs) the spectators are um who would come and watch because they're they were so hearty you know they would (laughs) hang out in the rain with their umbrellas and their beers and they were they weren't going (laughs) anywhere (laughs) prop canadian west coasters yeah, it would give the give the Egyptian uh, spectators some competition there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, yeah, it was good. It was a good crowd. Really yeah, good great. event. Yeah, well, uh, Nicole, I really appreciate, uh, really enjoyed chatting with you today. Really appreciate your time, and uh, you're heading off uh, for some training now, I guess. Yeah, I'm actually gonna. I've actually got a student. I'm gonna go coach. I work okay. to do some, uh, yeah, some like squash and fitness stuff with her. So, um, gonna go in gonna go do that and then i'm actually gonna play some soccer later today i think okay yeah. cross <laughs> training one of my, one of my cross that. training activities yeah it's fun it's like good to do something different um it's like great for like sprinting you know without just sprinting you know on a track you're actually chasing something which is nice um and it's hard and you know it's, it's a team event i love i love team sports like i grew up and playing soccer and i played some volleyball as well um and I, I miss the team aspect, which is actually part of the reason I'm looking forward to Commonwealth, because you'll feel like you're part of something bigger, right. just, you know, your, your own well, your time at Princeton must have been enjoyable too. then. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I really liked being a, a team, like a, a team playing for a team, for sure. You have this, like this extra motivation, <laughs> for sure, right. that you don't even have to think about. Yeah, my first, my first individual match 
off of uh, like out of out of college was a big shock because <laughs> I thought, wow, yeah. like I have to actually motivate myself here. <laughs> this is Where, weird. Where's the team? Where- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, oh, it's it's just me, and I'm playing this small 5k in this town that I've never heard of. It was just like no one's here to watch me. It was it was so odd. Wow. Um, that's, that's something to get used to. I think it was, it's good. It's a good like learning experience though. Definitely a good life experience learning how to, uh, play on tour. That's for sure. <laughs> well, I really enjoyed chatting with you, Nicole, and, uh, all the best, uh, at the Commonwealth games and with everything and send my, uh, my regards to, uh, uh, Jamie. I will. I will definitely. <laughs> Thanks so much, Jerry. Appreciate yeah. it. Well, many thanks to Nicole for that, and I want to wish the rest of the uh, Canadian team, Nick Sackfeed, David Bayarjan, Holly Naughton, and Nicole, all the best going forward into the Commonwealth Games. So we only have uh, one more uh, member of the Canadian team to have on, and that would make uh, having all four members within the last month or so, and that's going to happen, because uh, how do I know? I've already done the episode. So you're going to be hearing from Holly Naughton in a few days' time. That episode will drop, so stay tuned for that uh hopefully we'll have some more commonwealth games uh coverage uh here on the podcast we might have some pundits on uh uh, we might have a couple of uh, the other players from maybe perhaps wales or we might try to get uh, james wilstrup to come on again let's see if uh, i can pull that one out of the hat who knows who knows but uh, we'll try to do our best to see what we can uh, come up with in the lead up to the commonwealth games and there's plenty more uh coming up here i think we're going to have jethro bins of squash skills coming on because they have some new stuff uh they're producing some really exciting stuff there so stay tuned for that uh, lots more to come this summer i'm heading off to canada today uh so but that doesn't mean the podcast will cease to exist over the summer. Uh, We're going to be doing a few episodes while I'm in Canada. We might even do one live, uh, live feed, live Facebook or something. We'll, we'll try to figure out something uh, new and exciting uh, while I'm in Canada. Who knows who I might run into. Maybe my old buddy, Matt Bishop, who's fresh off of his uh, 40 and over uh, victory at the Canadian nationals. Maybe Neil Harvey might join us. Uh, Who knows if I bump into him, I might, be able to convince him to do uh, to do something here on the podcast but uh, yeah looking forward to heading home to Canada playing a bit of squash seeing my family and uh, sending my uh, youngest daughter off to college so I hope you all have a great summer as well take care and we'll be talking to you very soon goodbye now <laughs>